Today, we're going to have a little bit of fun. I'll be joined by Stephen Willis for the first two segments to talk about Florida and Ole Miss. Stephen Willis is, of course, with Lockdown Ole Miss. But first, we're going to talk about which current Gators commits could have the highest impact early on, only here on Lockdown Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, sports, games, whatever you want to do, and more, honestly. <laughs> Visit Sonos.com to learn more. Now, and my name is Brandon Olson. You know that. Happy Monday. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. I'm also the founder of WholeNineSports.com. You can find all my written work, and I'm going to talk about these impact freshmen now, the Florida Gators. I realized earlier, I was like, oh, commits. I'm talking about high schoolers coming in. Osiris Torrance is obviously going to be a big name there. Montreal Johnson's obviously going to be a big name there. I'm talking about high school commits coming to Gainesville for the first time. And first up, I mean, it's very obvious. Kamari Wilson's the person that I'm going to talk about. Of course, five-star safety out of IMG. He was... A, a huge name for Florida. I realize also my background's a little weird. Oh, we're cat sitting. There's a cat. He likes to touch things. I don't want him to touch those. So yeah. Um, but Kamari Wilson, uh, I've, I've spoken incessantly about the scheme of the Florida Gators, uh, what it'll likely look like, what Patrick Tony has done, his tendencies, all that stuff. And I ain't done with it yet. But a lot of it is safeties. Safeties play a huge part of, the, of this defense. They play a huge role here. That ain't changing. <laughs> I'm legend, especially with the safeties on staff or on roster. That ain't changing. Uh, Kamari Wilson is a, uh, I want to say a, a quick trigger, big hitter type, but I don't think he's useless in coverage. He's obviously right now more of a strong safety than a true free safety, which I even hate those terms. I prefer like box safety or a deep man or deep safety, whatever it might be. But generally speaking, people use strong and free. Uh, Kamari is much more of a box safety right now, which is fine because. I'm fine throwing Trey Dean back there. I'm fine throwing uh, Rashad Torrance back there. I, I don't have a problem with it. And let them play in the box. Let others have, like imagine Rashad Torrance being the deep man with Trey Dean and Kamari Wilson on the field at the same time, being box safety types covering the flats and cover three or something like that. It, it, it'd be sick. And I mean, Kamari Wilson in high school, his, his defense, I mean, it, it looked, um, I don't want to say variable. I don't think that's the right word, but but they like to mix and match coverages, it looked like. And I think that'll bode well because I think that's what Florida is going to do a lot of this year. And so Kamari Wilson can maybe be able to pick up the playbook just, just a, a little bit quicker than expected. Next up is Chris McClellan, the four-star defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Um, I'll say this. I'm not super high on the interior defensive line right now. Um, I, I think we've got some dudes. I think we've got a lot of potential. Like, If you want to talk about potential – I'm in, incredibly high here. But if you want to talk about current talent, not so much. I, there's Javon Dexter and then a couple tiers down, there's everybody else. Um, but I think Chris McClellan right now could be, um, he, he might be the third or fourth best interior defensive lineman on this team. And I mean, that's good that you're recruiting in players like that. And it's good that he's going to be able to make those plays. All right, I think he will be able to make those plays. And I'm, I'm more excited to see him watch with, co-defensive coordinator the other co-defensive coordinator and defensive line coach sean spencer who's you know coach chaos where 
I, I think once Chris McClellan gets set up with Sean Spencer and it's like, hey, you know, we're we're not just out athleting guys anymore. We're not just out muscling guys anymore, which is the same thing I've said for Javon Dexter. It's like, we're not just doing those anymore. We're going to bring technique and we're going to bring finesse and skill and it's going to be very different. I, I, I think Chris McClellan could be, could be that guy that really steps up. Third player to talk about, we got four. Third player to talk about is Trevor Etienne. I know I mentioned him last week. Uh, I think he'll get a lot of carries early on. I do, because specifically when you look at the running back room here, you've got an offense that they're going to want to run the ball a lot. Like, they are very much looking forward to run the ball. Um, you've got Damian Pierce is gone. You've got uh, Malik Davis is gone. You've got Naquan Wrights, the only returning running back that actually played, and I think he's going to play in the slot a lot. So then you got to look at the rest of your roster, and it's Bowen, Lingard, Etienne, Johnson, and it's like, who's who's going to step up? I like I like Bowman. I like Lingard. I think they're good. I think Bowman especially is kind of being overlooked right now just because he didn't really play with Florida. But when you look back, he didn't transfer to Florida because he wasn't getting playing time. He was a true freshman that was getting playing time on Clemson when they still had Travis Etienne. Uh, DeMarcus Bowman transferred back because he had family things, wanted to be closer to home, which is fine. So he's he's no slouch, but I do think Trevor Etienne is going to get a lot of time because I think I think Naquan Wright's going to play in the slot a lot. I think Trevor Etienne is going to be the backfield a lot. I think Marshall Johnson going to be the backfield a lot. I think Demarcus Bowman going to be the backfield a lot. I think that we're going to see three to four running backs rotate a lot in the backfield. I'm sorry to say, I think Lorenzo Lingard's going to be the guy that gets left out. Um, that's not a knock on him. I'm I just think we've got a very talented running back room right now, especially with Marshall Johnson and Trevor Etienne coming in. I think it's going to be big, and Trevor Etienne, I think, will have a big freshman year. The final player to talk about, if, I'm going to say this now, it's Shamar James. If you thought I was going to get through this segment without talking about Shamar James, if I'm talking about a segment where I'm like, oh, which high school players are going to be high-impact players, you lost your damn mind if you think I wasn't going to talk about Shamar James here. Um, I feel like since the start of the podcast, I've been – praising him and i guess what i'm gonna keep doing it I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this hit i think we'll see a lot of linebacker rotation i've said this a lot about scheme where there's gonna be a lot of rotations i think we'll see a lot of linebacker rotation which means i i genuinely think we're gonna see six to eight linebackers play pretty much every game maybe not play not, maybe not all of them play um significant snaps but but they're gonna play i think shamar james is gonna be in that top four or five there i think we'll see him play a lot um I think he's going to be one of those kids that, you know, he's going to step in and immediately make plays and earn more snaps as the season goes on. I think that his versatility will be big here because I think you could do things with Shamar James that you can't do with Ventrell Miller. I think you could do things with Shamar James. And you could trust Shamar James more than you can trust as much as I love him, Dewan Black. I, I I don't, I mean, Dewan Black has openly said like that he needs to put on more weight to take on those blocks and to get through the, and all that fun stuff. Uh, I think Shamar James is kind of already there. I don't think he's this this amazing blue chip kid, but I, I think he's very good at, or at least good at pretty much everything. And there's no true genuine weaknesses in his uh, in his play. And so that's why I think he's going to make a big play. I, I think that's why he's going to make a high impact early on. And I'm I'm looking forward to it. Like I, I'm very excited for the fre- for the freshmen that are coming into this team, and I'm very excited to see just. It's really just just how awesome this team's gonna be, even even if the record's not awesome. I'm just excited to see you know Im- improvement and stability inside the program. Hey Gators fans, I'm here with an incredible app 
everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It is Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. So that's up to 50 cents cash back per gallon on your first fill up. So if you're smart, again, I don't want to tell you what to do with your money, but if you want to be smarter about it, you know, wait till that thing's on E, fill her up with the 50 cents, and there you go. You make it more money already. You can cash it out to your bank account, uh, PayPal, an e gift card, Amazon, other brands, stuff like that. Just download the free Get Upside app and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That is SCORE, S-C-O-R-E. All right, special crossover segment of the Locked On Ole Miss and Locked On Gators podcast. I have Brandon Olson here. We're here to talk about the Monday night game between your Ole Miss Rebels and your Florida Gators, depending on which podcast you're listening to. So how you doing, Brandon? I'm I'm doing well. No complaints here. How are you? <clears throat> pretty good, pretty good. For You know, for the longest time, I'll just go ahead and get directly into this. For the longest time, Mike Wright referred – Mike White referred to Florida's basketball team as fragile. Um, I don't know if you know exactly what fragile is because the way the Ole Miss basketball, every game goes just like this. Ole Miss starts out really hot. Ole Miss has really good players for their first three players, but they have to be substituted eventually. And at some point, a 48-45 to game that's really competitive ends up being 62-48. to and then the game is essentially over. Every game. I mean, it's like a movie at this point. That's it's the most bizarre thing. Yeah, I mean, it was rough because I remember I was I was just paying attention to the game before and I and I saw how the score was going. I was like, oh yeah, well, Ole Miss kind of kind of doing something here. And then mm. it, um and then Ole Miss very quickly didn't do something. There. No. <laughs> it changed very quickly. Not not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Um so Tell me a little bit about the Florida Gators. What, what can I expect from the Gators down there? Uh, you can expect very sloppy basketball. Uh, that, that's how it's been. It, it's weird because, you know, the Florida Gators for the longest time this season, it was your offense is either going to be – I'm sorry if my camera's shaking. There was a cat on my desk. Um, the, uh, the offense was either going to be hitting on all cylinders or just yikes. Um and defense was going to be solid throughout. And then Colin Castleton got injured and, you know, he got ruled out right before the game on Wednesday. And it was like, okay, so just, just chalk it up. Cause all we've been told about the injury still to this point is that it's significant and serious. That's all, that's all we know about Colin Castleton's shoulder injury. And, you know, he, he needs that shoulder. He's second in the SEC in blocks. He's a big dude up there. Um, and then the team got better without him, and it's it's just so weird that they were like, yeah, we lost our best player, but guess what? Now we're a good team, um, and and it, it's frustrating at that point too, because it's like you could have done this all season with your best player, and you would have been in a much better position than you're currently at. But um, you know, Mike White, it's weird. I I started finally buying into like the whole, you know, maybe maybe it's not Mike White's time maybe maybe he's got to go same thing with dan mullen it's like you're a good coach but maybe it's just time um and then mike white's like oh the best player's out guess who's about to coach the best games of his career and and it's very weird that he's like turning it up right now but uh and the the really bad part about that is that it it leaves me hopeful that when colin castlin comes back if he does come back i'm assuming he will but when colin castlin's come when colin castlin comes back that uh 
that Mike White's just going to, you know, that he's going to keep on this tear. But I know deep down, Mike White's going to go back to, to mid-major Mike that we know. Uh, and, and he's just going to start losing games again. It's just poor, poor coaching. Yeah, and it's interesting. Whenever you look at Ole Miss's basketball team, there's three players. There's three top um, 50 players, Jamin Brakefield, Deshaun Ruffin, and Matthew Morrell. When they're on the floor and everything is going well, man, they look good. They don't look like the problem at all. The problem that we see is they can't play 40 minutes a night. <laughs> and there's such a big drop-off between those three and the next level that it's just pretty pronounced with this team to where – like I said, they Matthew Morrell got his fourth foul with 10 minutes to go in the game. Almost was down by two. Um, two and a half, three minutes later, they were down by 14. And the game was essentially over at that point. So it doesn't really matter anything about Kermit's coaching at this point. There's just a gap. The only thing that Kermit has to worry about is the weak links, kind of, are experienced guys that have been in his program. And that's a problem for him. Luis Rodriguez and Sammy Hunter and Austin Crowley, they they should not be anything to worry about. That you should be able to count on those guys. But year three and you can't, that, that's a problem. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's the same, same, but different with Mike White where it's like, I, I get it. The roster's not great for Florida. It, it's not. That, that's a simple fact. It's not a great roster. And you can look at your top talent and say your top talent's great, but the depth isn't there. And people try to argue with who should be blamed for it. Um, and it's got to be the head coach. Like, you're, you're the guy that builds the program. Like, that's why people argue in my YouTube comments about Mike White. And they're like, it's not his fault the players are missing open threes. It's like, it's not his fault they're missing open threes. But it is his fault that they're on the court as much as they are if they can't hit open threes. And if they're shooting contested threes and missing them, it's his fault that they're shooting those contested threes that they're playing so much if they're the type of player that shoots contested threes. So it comes to the point of you, you got to blame the coach. He's the one that builds the roster. It's his responsibility where I don't know if you feel the same way, but that's how I feel about Mike White where it's like, look, I, I get it. Your roster's not great. But at the same time with Mike White, it's year seven. This roster is entirely you. And it's not great. And that, that's indicative of your talent and your ability as a recruiter. Yeah, I used to be in the Navy way back when. And whenever a ship runs aground, the captain gets fired, whether he's at the helm or not. Um, if it runs aground, it's the captain's fault. And when it comes to a head coach, when something goes wrong, there's might be excuses around there. But ultimately, he is responsible for that. Um, now, Walker Kessler for Auburn kind of did a number on Ole Miss the other night. And honestly, Auburn would have probably lost that game if it wasn't for Walker Kessler. And now that Castleton has gone down, what do y'all have as a, for lack of a better term, rim protector? Um, um <laughs> yikes! Uh, <laughs> that's, what, that's what I have to say about that one. <laughs> yikes! Uh, the, the best guy we got is Anthony Deruji, and you know I'm, I'm a big fan of what he can do, and I think he's a great number two guy. But uh, to expect him to be your primary rim protector, you know, game in, game out, I, I think you're asking a lot for someone who that's just not really what he does. Like, that's just not what he's been able to do. Like, he, And he's not bad, but he's no Colin Castleton. I mean, Colin Castleton's averaging, what, three blocks a game, and I think Javrugi's at 0.8, if that. So it's a, it's a, there's a big gap between whether or not you're blocking the shots, contesting those shots, impacting, and just protecting the paint. You look at uh, the game three days ago, 
and it allowed Florida allowed 34 points in the paint. It's like that's a lot when they allowed I think it was 70 total. Oh, 34 points in the paint. I was like that's a lot, and I think it was 14 second chance points. And you're already a team where even with Colin Castleton, you're not very good on the boards. You lost your best rebounder, your best defender. And I, it's awesome that Florida's on this little three-game winning streak and that they got two straight without Colin Castleton, but I, I am not confident at all that this team is going to maintain their success without, again, the best player that you have. Yeah, it sounds like we can both expect a pretty sloppy game between the Rebs and the Gators. Anybody else make money this weekend? I know I didn't. I'm kidding. I did. I was, I'm on a little bit of a heater. I'm going to let you know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it rolling, too. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Obviously, Florida been throwing a few wrenches in my plans. We'll see how the women do because now I can bet on women's basketball, so that's dope. Uh, bet online universe award shows, TV shows, and reality TV with real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. It is the best way to place your bets, and it's 100% free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure to use promo code locked on. That is L O C K E D, no space, O N. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolution time. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. It's just a smart thing to do. I'm really trying to keep it up together. I'm trying to keep it together. I'm trying to keep it going. Um, But, you know, Sweet Tooth, every single time is going to get me. You don't even want to know what I ate and drank yesterday. It was a tough one. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. That's always my weakness. Sweet Tooth, but Built Bar is already coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars only have 130 calories, just four net carbs, and they have 17 grams of protein. Throw out the hidden stashes, the Reese's in the desk drawer, the Kit Kat, the Snickers, whatever it may be, the M&M's, I don't care. Built Bar is always coming out with new limited time flavors too, so you'll never get bored. Or if you want the same old thing, keep getting it. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at Built or BuiltBar.com. Let's, let's switch gears a little bit because Billy Napier, um, A, what exactly is a game changer coordinator? But he's doing some good things down, in, or I should say, up the road in Gainesville. I'm down in Winter Haven. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean Billy Napier. He he's just that guy right now. You know, yeah. he he's been doing his thing. He's he's out here recruiting, and you know, Gators fans. A few months ago, we had to deal with the saying that uh, it's not recruiting season. We'll talk about recruits during recruiting season. And you guys know college football; it's always recruiting mm-hmm. season. Billy Napier, you know, he's got his game changer coordinator because uh, he's the OC. Well, Rob Sales the OC, but he's calling the plays. And then you got co-DCs, and then you don't have a special teams coordinator. But as we all know, in football, there's three levels of football. There's offense, mm. defense, and special teams. And you need someone in charge of it. Florida last year, our special teams coordinator was a running backs coach. So it wasn't like we had anything special there. But now we've got... Uh, Chris Couch there as our game changer coordinator. He was with Billy Napier. Before that, he was with Tulane for five years. He's got special teams coordinator. I mean, just at Louisiana, he was a special teams coordinator. It's just a different title. And honestly, I think the reason for these these off-the-wall titles for Florida, I think a big part of it is that Billy Napier is finding a way to get all of these guys, because he said that he's wanted to build an army and as his coaching staff and his support staff. I, and he's got the budget. I think Florida has the third largest assistant coach salary pool to use. So that's, that's a big thing, obviously, for us. 
And I think Billy Napier is coming up with these very off-the-wall titles because then from Game Changer Coordinator, Chris Couch can get promoted to Special Teams Coordinator when another university wants to promote him or wants to hire him as their Special Teams Coordinator. Billy Napier can then say, you know what? Instead of that, we'll promote you. We'll give you your pay raise, and we'll keep you on as our Special Teams Coordinator. I think Billy Napier is doing whatever he can to kind of set up long-term success because you look at the defense and it's Sean Spencer as the co-defensive coordinator and Patrick Tony as co-defensive coordinator. Eventually, one of those guys, probably both of them, maybe within three years, I think Patrick Tony is going to be a head coach somewhere. I think I, I have no problem saying that. That's kind of drying that. Within three years, I think he's gone. I'm going to enjoy my time with him here, but I think he's gone in three years. So then Sean Spencer's maybe looking for greener pastures to be a full-time or a full DC, the only one. And Billy Napier can say, hey, we'll promote you to just full-time DC. And that's your pay raise and your pay bump and all that stuff. And I, I think Billy Napier's, I, I think he's playing chess, not checkers here. As, as silly as some of the titles are, like game changer coordinator. Um, I, I think there's levels to this. And he seems like a very um, coordinated guy. And he seems like everything he's doing is well planned out. Um, and and uh, that, that, that's where I'm at with Billy Napier. I'm excited for it. I mean, I, I've said Ole Miss, like, I love your coaching staff, too. So it's like, it, it's an awesome program y'all got going over there. Do appreciate it. Um, appreciate it a lot. Um, I do have another question for you. Okay. For the first time since I don't remember when, no major college team in Florida was ranked. Miami's kind of down. Florida was down. Florida State seems like they've been down for 10 years at this point. Uh, but each program is kind of going nuclear at the moment. Um, to try and make something happen to where I see a lot of conflict coming down the road. You got Mario Cristobal down there trying to bring back the state of Miami. You got Billy Napier doing the Alabama playbook stuff. And Mike Norvell is kind of doing the transfer portal and doing the things that made him very successful at Memphis. They're honestly, I like Jordan Travis. Florida State is just a quarterback away from being pretty decent, I think. Uh, but what do you think about the dynamics in state for Florida? Uh, I, I think that it looks very good for Florida right now. And I realize that sounds incredibly biased as a Florida fan, but where I'm at with Florida state is I like Mike Norvell. I, I genuinely have said, like, I, I think he's a great schemer and I, I think he's a great game planner. Um, but you know, you know, lo- losing, uh, I, I forgot his name, but the corner to Jackson state, um, that that's going to linger like that. That's bigger than just losing a recruit. Because you are the school that lost the number one player in the nation to a SWAC school. And that, 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 that's going to impact you, whether or not you think it will. It will at some point, because other schools are going to say, there's a reason that this kid went to a SWAC school instead of going to Florida State. And the reason might be that he wanted to go to HBCU, that he wanted to play under his favorite coach or his favorite player ever in Deion Sanders. But that's not how other schools are going to phrase it. So I, I think that might be a bit of a, uh, I don't want to be dramatic, but a bit of a death sentence for Mike Norvell with Florida State. And then looking at Miami, I'm not stressed about them at all. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. You're having a, a tough time getting your offensive coordinator. And it makes me very happy, too, because, you know, uh, the first choice for offensive coordinator was Jason Candle. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Steve, but. I went to Toledo, and I'm a Toledo fan, and I got the helmet right behind me right here. Yeah, go um, Rockets! I yeah, I'm very <laughs> happy that Jason Candle said no and chose to stay at the MAC. But again, that's a big thing with Miami. It's like now you've openly shown 
that you've lost your number one offensive coordinator candidate because he chose to stay at the Mac. He chose to turn down a pay raise and chose to turn down going and being an offensive coordinator in a power five school and at a school where he would cook as an offensive coordinator. If you add the athletes that he can get in Miami and even in Toledo, he's already done a stellar job at recruiting Florida athletes. Deontay Johnson for the Pittsburgh Steelers is a Florida kid. He went mm-hmm. to Toledo. Jason Kendall played a big part in recruiting him. Kareem Hunt, Jason Kendall played a big part in recruiting him. So, you know, Jason Kendall's shown what he can do as a recruiter and his, his offense usually works out defenses. Yikes. But I, I mean, I like that, you know, Miami's losing their offensive coordinator candidates that, uh, Florida State's losing their top recruits. And Florida, I mean, right now things are trending up. It was a bad year. And, you know, losing to Central Florida is going to kill Florida in a lot of ways. You know, I mean, our starting tight end just left Florida and a couple days later committed to Central Florida. Like, so, so this is the thing where right now it's bad, but I think when you look at the big three of Florida and you're like, well, they're all bad. I think Florida right now is the, the best of the worst. If, if that makes sense. It, it ain't pretty anywhere, but it, it's good right now, I guess. I mean, we're, we're, at least we're not Florida State or Miami. Yeah, I think we've lost 20 players to the transfer portal. This is just a matter of fact. And also something that everybody needs to remember, you could carry 105 players on scholarship. This year you have to get back to 85. So there are going to be players getting processed all over the place. Um, oh, now, <clears throat> switching back gears to back to basketball and everything, uh, get – how do you see the rest of the season going for Florida? Um, I'll, I'll say right now, I don't think I've ever been less confident in a Florida program. Um, you know, just just at, at any level. Um, recruiting's bad. You know, Kawasi Reeves, he was, for a while, the only high school recruit that Florida had coming in. And he, he's been very, very good. Um, but, I mean, Mike White didn't play him for the first 15 games of the season. And then Colin Castleton is injured, and this team – just horrible, undisciplined basketball for the huge majority of the season, whether it's whether it's turnovers, whether it's taking bad contested shots, whether it's just deciding to to play iso ball for, for no reason with no rhyme or reason behind it, nothing. Um I I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not super confident in this program. And it sucks because I I try to be confident in them, but it's just if I'm gonna be completely unbiased and honest with it, it's it, it's not very promising. Yeah. Well, Brandon, man, I appreciate you um, stopping by, and I hope you you guys is, appreciate me stopping by your podcast. Um, I hope to have you again soon as we get closer to football season because I'm going to do a preview episode for every team football-wise once we get into the spring and summer. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We're going to get into it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Anyway, Brandon Olson, um, LockedOnGators.com. Thank you, man.